Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Lord, we ask that you would help us today as we look at your word and as we uh, open it and, and read it, and then that I preach from it, that it would be preached and taught and said, just as you would have it said today. Lord, we do thank you, and we praise you for uh, the way you work through people's lives and the way you uh, use them to be a blessing to others. And we ask that we would help us to be stirred in our hearts and minds and be aware of just as this church in Thessalonica, that we as a church uh, should have the same testimony. We ask that you would speak to us and, and motivate us in that way in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> First of all, there in verse 2, it says, We give thanks to God always for you all. On Wednesday night, we will have our Thanksgiving Eve service. I hope that you'll come for that. I hope that you'll just make uh, Wednesday a habit anyway, but I hope that you'll come this Wednesday and praise the Lord and also give thanks. That's what Paul's doing here concerning this church in Thessalonica. He's just praising God for them. We give thanks to God always for you all. First of all, I just want to point out, he says, I'm thankful for your salvation. That's kind of a given. That's kind of an understood uh, assumption here as he writes this letter to them. They wouldn't be a church if they weren't saved. But it says here in verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. The idea of elect means that they were saved. They were part of the family of God. They were in Christ. And the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Jesus is the elect. And when we are in him, as I preached about a a few weeks ago, we are part of that election as well. So I'm thankful for your salvation. What does that mean? That means that you are saved, as we're going to see in a minute, from the wrath to come. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are not yet saved. You are not yet born again as you need to be. Chapter 2 in verse 19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? What is it? What, what's our thrill? What's our excitement? What's our crown? What is it that makes us rejoice? It answers the question in verse 19. Are not ye, even ye, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are glory and joy. I'm thankful for your salvation. Listen, as a pastor, I'm thankful for the salvation of many in this room. I don't know everybody in this room, but I know some of the stories in this room, and I know that you are a born-again believer, and therefore then opportunity arises for you to be baptized and to be a part of the family, the church family, and maybe you haven't joined with us officially, but let me tell you something. It starts with salvation, and salvation is is key. Uh, As much as you want to be baptized or would like to be a member of this church, it has to be salvation first, and so to know your testimony of salvation, how you were saved, not everybody here today was saved here, but many were. Uh, I think it will happen soon if, if, it, if uh, I'm, I remember right. But years ago, the newspaper does their question of the week. And I don't remember if it was this time of year. I think it was. But they said, what are you thankful for? And uh, a friend of mine named Larry Matheson said, I'm thankful for my salvation. And it was right there in the paper. Man, I took a picture of that and I shared it on Facebook and it pops up as a memory every year now at that, at that season. And so I'm looking for it to pop up pretty soon. 
And uh, not only am I thankful for Larry's salvation, but I was singing the salvation song today in Sunday school. No, you can't get to heaven without S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. I looked out there and there he was singing along with as if he was part of the 10-year-olds. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, aren't you saved? Aren't you glad for your salvation? Are you over it? Is it no longer that big of a deal to you? Listen, the rejoicing and the crown was that you're going to stand before Jesus Christ at his coming and not be ashamed. You're saved. Man, you can't, that can't be taken away from you. Your health can be lost. Your wealth can be lost. But you can't lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you are saved for eternity. And I just rejoice in that. I rejoice. There are people who got saved here and, and we've lost them because their health has deteriorated and they they passed away and went to heaven. But we didn't lose them. They're still with us. They're still part of the family. We're going to see them again. That is our crown. That is our rejoicing to know that they are born again. What an exciting thing. What a what a blessing it is to be able to give thanks to God for salvation, the salvation of our loved ones, salvations of our friend and our family, salvation of, of ourselves and salvation of others. Praise God. And so this this starts out saying, I'm so thankful that you're just part of the elect. How does that happen? What well, says in verse 9? For they themselves show of what manner of entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols. That's what salvation is. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21 says, Repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to God from idols. That's what repentance is. You turned to him from something else. If you were an adult before you were born again, there's a good chance you were trusting in something else. There might be someone in here that used to trust in another way of salvation. There was a time maybe you were trained and you were brought up that you were supposed to keep all the sacraments and you were supposed to keep all this list of dues and all the things you were supposed to do and take care of and check the check the list, you know, and make sure that you had all the boxes checked off and then hopefully you could be saved that way. Listen, that's an idol. That's a false way. Some are taught that that's how they're going to be. In the third world countries, there's statues and people worship them. They'll bring food and offerings to this statue, this idol. When they turn to God from idols, they change their trust. They change what they used to trust in to something else. And typically when that happens, whether it's a third world country or right here in this country, there's a cost involved. But they turn to God from whatever else they used to trust in. Maybe it's not a third world country for you. Maybe it's baptism. A lot of people are trusting in baptism to take them to heaven. You know, A couple of weeks ago we baptized Jay. And that was so emphasized how that baptism doesn't save anybody. And you have to turn to God from that false idol. And how that many have struggled with that because there's ramifications involved. But he's rejoicing because they turn to God from some false way. And then it says in verse 10, And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath of to come. This is the exciting part. You're not just saved to be a part of this church in the here and now. You're saved, which literally means saved. You are salvaged. You are rescued from the wrath that is coming. Listen, there is a wrath coming. 
It's not Joe Biden. I realize you might feel like that's, no, that, no, it's worse than that. There is a wrath that is coming. That wrath is hell. That wrath is eternal damnation in the lake of fire. That wrath is, is a due date for every person who is trusting in anything other than Jesus himself. saved us from the wrath to come. That's awesome. That's why, that's why if you're saved, you got at least one thing on Wednesday night to say something about. I'm not going to hell. Everything else in my life seems to be falling apart, but I'm not going to hell. I can thank God for that. Turn to God from idols and delivered from the wrath to come. It goes on to say in verse 6, it says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. In much affliction. I mentioned about turning to God from idols. In my father's case, my grandmother gave him lots of grief because he was turning to God from baptism. He was baptized as a baby in the Lutheran church. And grandma said, Tommy, you were baptized as a baby. You don't need to be baptized again. Mom, I got saved. And now that I'm saved, I need to be baptized because that wasn't baptism as a baby. I didn't even take, make a decision, Mom. You did. That wasn't baptism. Mom, I'm saved and now I need to be baptized. She said, you get baptized, I'm not coming. Whoa. Listen, to receive the word in much affliction. You know why we have affliction when it comes to the word? You know why there's affliction? Let me tell you why. Because this right here is truth. And you know what we have going on in our world right now? Lies. This world is filled with lies. Everybody's lying to each other. I've just noticed that a lot of times, when I was talking to somebody about this the other night, there are people that will say, yeah, I'll get that done on this date. And they don't mean it. They just know that telling you that funny story will keep you hanging on versus telling you the truth. And we're lying all the time. And it just gets worse and worse. And we live in a world full of lies. So guess what happens when this gets opened up? Lying and liars and lies, it's the opposite of truth. And so they hate truth. And so if you start reading this and you start believing this and you start telling people what this says, there's going to be affliction. That's why there's so many churches that are trading this in. In the, in the pressure of keeping a congregation, of keeping a popularity. And so he, he says, I'm so thankful for you all. You receive the word with affliction. I believe the day is coming when this will actually be illegal in this country. I don't think, it, I, don't, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I don't think we're too far away from the time where someone will say, you know what? That book is hateful. See, there are people out there who are living a huge lie and they'll tell you, hi, my name is Peggy. Great, big, burly, hairy. My name's Peggy. He's lying. She, he, is living a lie. And this book's hateful. I don't think we should be hateful. 
I met some of those big hairy dudes that call themselves Peggy. And I say to them, Harry, would you read this? This is the gospel. You need the gospel. Not because you're wearing a dress, because you're dying and going to hell. And I don't say that to them, but I want them to know I care about them. I don't appreciate what they're doing. It's a lie. But folks, all around us, our world's just filled with lying, and there's it's everything's a lie. So when you receive the word, you're going to receive it with much, much affliction. And I'll, I'll say this. If you are a Christian and a believer, and you never have any affliction from the world, you're doing it wrong. Something ain't salty. Something's not irritating something. I'm not saying I wake up every morning going, who can I irritate today? I don't do that. But I tell you what, when you follow the truth, you're going to irritate somebody. My dad irritated my grandmother. It caused him affliction. Praise God, though. God worked that out. But when you receive the word, someone's not going to like it. And then it says in verse 6, and he became followers of us and of the Lord. 2.14 says, ye brethren became followers of the churches of God. I'm so thankful for your salvation. You turned to God from idols. You're delivered from hell. You can't go to hell. You're saved from the wrath to come. You receive the word and your followers. I mentioned my friend Larry. I'm very nervous because I believe with all my heart that Larry will believe whatever I tell him the Bible says. That makes me nervous. I need to make sure I'm really reading the Bible and not just telling him something he shouldn't know. Why? Because he trusts me, that's why. And I want to say I give thanks for people who say, I trust the pastor. Now, I don't think you should blindly trust anybody. But what a blessing when you have people who are just followers of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't just follow me, but follow me as I follow Christ. He says, I'm thankful for you all. I'm thankful for your salvation. If you're here today and you're not sure what would happen if you died now, you're not sure where you'd go if you stopped breathing now. You need to not leave here today until you can say, I know where I'm going when I die. We want to be thankful for your salvation too. And praise God for my salvation and the salvation of others in this room. And if you're saved, please share your story. We'd love to hear it. Number two, also I'm thankful for your service. Psalm 100, it's a Thanksgiving psalm. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. You say, Pastor, I don't know about coming Wednesday because I don't sing very well. It's not about the singing. It's about making a joyful noise. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. I'm so thankful for service. This writer Paul was saying to the Thessalonians, I'm so thankful for your service in the church. What a blessing you are. Verse 3, it says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. I, I just appreciate that so much. Your work of faith and labor of love. <clears throat> I'm so thankful for people 
in our church that serve? I mentioned a minute ago about following the pastor. You know, I think to myself, good grief, if ever there was an excuse not to serve, it's because of me. I mean, I, I'm, not always, I'm not always happy. I'm not always right. But I'm so thankful that these folks don't just serve the pastor. They're serving the Lord, and that's why they're serving the church. Think about a lady that we used to have here, and she's moved away. Her name is Sandy. She started this on the on the cleaning schedule and, and just did part of that cleaning rotation with others. And, and um, I don't know where she learned it from or whatever. Or she just picked it up. But you know how you go to the, the motel and you go in the bathroom, and, and the toilet roll has that little folded point. And by the way, the right way is over the top. If you disagree with that, you're, you're not right with God. And she'd go over the top, and then she'd make a little point. And, you know, she did that in the bathrooms at the church. I thought, well, that's pretty neat. You know why that's neat? Who cares? Except she cared, and she wanted it to look right. The funny thing about that is other ladies picked up on it. Because Sandy's been going a long time, and other ladies are doing it now too. I like that only because, hey, I care. I, I, I want to do it right. There's so many behind the scenes. I brag about some of the people in our church and the things that they do and the way they serve. And what a blessing. Some of you, and I'm not, I'm not being critical of you or, or trying to make you feel ashamed or anything, but some of you, you've enjoyed the service of others. You, you come in and you sit down and, and we're glad you're here. We're glad that your seat is full and it's not empty. But I'm gonna tell you something. I really don't know that everyone in here that's here right now appreciates or understands some of the behind the scenes. We used to not meet in this building, but somebody served. If we didn't have people caring enough to clean, years ago, I remember when this building was getting built, and I remember in my mind, I remember, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I remember thinking, well, we are so tight on our funds and we're just trying to get the building done. So as far as landscape, um, railroad ties. I've seen that before. They just put railroad ties, put them together, and, um, and we'll just put railroad ties together and we'll just try to make it look like something. And along came somebody and said, you know, I know something about landscaping. It's beautiful. I've had the privilege of flying over this property. It's beautiful. And the person I'm talking about is in a wheelchair. So don't tell me you can't serve. Your work of faith and labor of love. Same person said, Pastor, that great big pile of dirt over there is perfect for our parking lot. We need a parking lot. I didn't even think about parking. I was just trying to get in the building. If you've ever gone in the back parking lot here, that there's a huge ledge. And if there wasn't that huge ledge, there'd be this huge ravine and we'd all be parking and then we'd all be hiking to church every Sunday morning. And they said, Pastor, that huge pile of dirt over there would be perfect and it wouldn't cost anything because we could, I could just haul it with my dump truck over here. And the ding-a-ling over next door said, sure, you can buy it from us. And I think he regrets that decision. And I'm thankful he was generous enough to sell it to us 
and we hauled for nothing that was all hauled over here and put in here. And I just think about, you know, that I, I, I believe this. That wasn't for me. That was for God. That service wasn't for me. That was for the Lord. There are people who practice singing. They don't get paid to do that. Those young men that just sang a minute ago, they didn't get paid to do that. That was a blessing. And some of us, we're just always on the receiving end. But let me remind you of something. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to really be blessed? You get on the serving end. Your work of faith and your labor of love, the behind the scenes. You know, some of you in here, you've had someone come to your house, knock on your door and make a visit to you and encourage you and talk to you about the Lord. Others in here have been on the knocking end. That plate was passed a little while ago. What a blessing that people serve in their area of giving. Your work of faith and labor of love. Verse 9 says, to serve the living and true God. See, we're not serving somebody on earth. We're serving Jesus Christ. What I love about this is, even if pastor is a doofus, we're not doing it for pastor. We're doing it for Jesus. Even if someone didn't recognize my service, I wasn't doing it for them anyway. I'm thankful for your service. I'm thankful that you don't even need somebody to say thank you because you're not doing it for them anyway. Verse 6 says, became followers of us and of the Lord and with joy of the Holy Ghost. Serve the Lord with gladness. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, be a cheerful giver. I have heard stories of other religions and churches that have sent out mailers. Don't forget your tithe. Hey. Don't forget. That's not joyful giving. Even if that raised the budget, even if that raised the giving, it wouldn't be a pleasure to God because he wants cheerful givers, not robots, not people who feel mandated with joy. There is joy in serving Jesus. What a blessing. One of the greatest blessings I enjoy is when I'm standing here inside this water in this baptismal tank and we are just about to baptize someone or we just baptized someone who's been saved and maybe their life has turned around. Maybe they've decided I need to publicly profess my salvation and be baptized. And I look out and there's just these faces. And it's like they're saying, that's why we do it. Years ago, I found, as when I first came here, we were in this little building over here, a little modular this church had been without a pastor for about six months. And let me just say, the congregation was a lot smaller than it is today. And without a pastor for six months, it's, it can be, you know, discouraging. And I remember finding envelopes that someone had put together of mailers to mail out to the next round of 
candidates for maybe a pastor. And someone had taken the time behind the scenes to care enough to sit down and do all that and to address all those and to see that they were ready to go. And there were some leftovers I found and realized somebody's still trying to hold things together in service and to reap the benefits of that with joy. There's a little squirt that came right around here, ran out the side door in a little pink dress. I'm just so glad she's here. Her and her sister stayed the night last night. We love to serve. I don't mind being used for the Lord, but I can be discouraged like anybody, but it's a blessing. You heard that letter about the termites, about the rust and the problems. Every mission's field is going to have something like that but here again it says in verse 7 of chapter 1 it says so that ye were examples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia for from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only to in Macedonia and Achaia but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak any thing You are just known for being givers. Chapter 4 and verse 9 and 10, it says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more your missions to others. Just last Sunday night after church, someone said, Pastor, Pastor, we support 45 missionaries. She said, they, they said, Pastor, Pastor, I know of a church that I used to be a part of. They had $350,000 in the bank in case of something bad. And what I love, Pastor, is we don't keep it in the bank. We, if we got it, we give it out. We do, as a church, we support 45 missionaries. Let me ask you a question. If you died this week, how many of those missionaries would we have to drop? How much of the support are you doing? We have two vans that pick up children. They need maintenance and all that. If you died this week, how much of the service would stop? Would the building still get cleaned? Would anything change in the support? I'm just telling you right now, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It really is. What I enjoy about Joshua McClure, I don't think Joseph mentioned it, but they're in the Micronesia Islands. I love his ministry. He's a third-generation missionary. Grandpa's a missionary. Dad's a missionary. He's a missionary. Brother's a missionary. And I love hearing those letters. They're doing the work where they are. Tiny little place. And you and I have a part in that. And you and I might not ever go to the Micronesia Islands. But one day, I'll be standing in heaven, and there might be a Micronesian come up to me and say, Hey, 
you are one of those churches that helped support the missionary that reached me. I'm thankful for your service. Someone said, well, what's the big deal about being a church member? Can I just show up? I realize in a lot of churches, they're just excited if you show up. I do believe, though, that the Bible would have us not just show up, but serve up. In fact, we're saved to serve. If you read the word of God, Jesus wants us to be servants, to serve. And he invented a place for us to do the service in. It's called his local church. I believe everybody should have one. Your center where you do the most serving. And you're just behind. And not everybody serves the same. Praise God for that. But we're all just serving in some way as he's given us to do. And we make a difference when we don't worry about making a difference but just doing what he gave us to do. We'll make a difference. I'm thankful for your salvation. I'm so thankful for your service. And then thirdly, I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. Verse three again of chapter one, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There is a few even here today and there's others that, that you come here on, on a, infrequent basis. Maybe you don't live in Custer, but when you visit a lot or you visit sometimes and people do and they come to Custer and they come to Mountain View Baptist Church and they just, they just oh, we just love coming here. Someone uh, uh, about three or four months ago, pastor, we just enjoy, co-. in fact, it was a pastor and his wife. I didn't even know they were, he was a pastor, but um, they came, oh, we just love coming here. And I love hearing stories like that. I love that. Patient steadfastness. Can you imagine coming driving up and there's three cars in the parking lot. There's 10 people in the church building. What happened? People stopped doing what they were doing. I read about seven churches in Revelation and God's admonition to them and warning. But you know what the saddest part about those seven churches in Revelation is? They're gone. They don't exist. They used to. They're gone. I don't know what the longevity of this church is, but I sure hope it's a long time. I sure hope when my kids are old men, it's still going. That has a lot to do with you and I. I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. I remember three years ago when that, that thing was going on. I think they called it 19 or something, scamdemic or something like that. And uh, I remember people on social media commenting and saying, Praise God, you're having church. Good job. It's like, well, yeah, but I knew what they meant. What, what, why should we stop? What, what, 
why should we change? Just be steadfast. Just they call it old faithful, and it used to be more faithful than it is now. But you can show up about every hour or so, and it, and it, it goes off again. We ought to be as old faithful as old faithful. Oh, what if another? Listen, they're they're working on number twenty. Pretty soon, number twenty will come out. They're not done with nineteen. They got too much mileage out of nineteen, so there's going to be a twenty. I don't know what the next crisis is. I just know there will be one. That's all. The devil liked that last one. It worked pretty good. I don't know what it's going to be. It might slap me upside the head, and I wasn't expecting it at all. All I'm saying is we're supposed to be steadfast. See, 2,000 years ago, the people in the book of Acts, they didn't even have a bill of rights. They didn't even own property. Their pastors were getting thrown in prison just for preaching. But they just kept doing the same thing. I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. It says there in verse 9, you turn to God from idols. In verse 10 it says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. We're, 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 We're looking for someone to return. He's coming back. I, I serve a living Savior. He did die, but three days later, he came back to life and he ascended into heaven and he said he's coming just like he left and I'm looking forward to him coming. And with your finger in Thessalonians, let me remind you what I said last month we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? The world is falling apart. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be doing church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to keep assembling. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You might say, oh, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's worth it to go to church today. Oh, it's just, I don't know. You know what? You're going to provoke someone to love and to good works. I'm sure it hurt somebody to get up here in the, in the building today. I'm sure it was not what you, your body felt like doing today. I'm so glad you came. You encouraged me by coming. I'm so glad. There are people that, there's, there's people that come on Wednesday night and they come and just pray or, or they come and they say, Pastor, I wasn't here Sunday. I want to make sure I put this in the offering plate or, or whatever it might be. It's just a thought. It's just to remember. It's hey, I didn't I didn't develop this sermon for no good. There's people to preach it to. It's real exciting when people come and they bring a friend with them. Woo! What encouragement. Consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. And, and then to say, hey, how you doing? How's how how's so and so? Oh, I noticed that I noticed that your wife's missing today. Is she okay? I noticed that, are you, how are things going? And to provoke and to love and to good works. Hey, you look kind of discouraged. Everything okay? 
I'm so thankful for a church family because in these last days, he said, what are you supposed to do? Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and just wait for me to come back. I'm coming. I, I will say this. It's going to get worse before it gets better, but he's coming. He's coming. The pastor is getting Listen, there are Christians on the other side of this planet. They have got it way worse than you and I do. We can gripe and complain about the cost of things. They don't even have those things. They don't even own a car to fill up with gas. Stop complaining. Let's realize that, you know what, I've noticed there are more and more people wanting. Somebody on social media last night, we're looking for a church. What church do you recommend? People are looking. People are wanting truth. I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. I'm sure there have been times, especially in the earlier days, maybe some would say, oh, thank you for coming today. That wasn't a very good sermon, but he's usually better. Come back. (laughs) I'm thankful for those people. It's true. The pastor's kind of, but boy, the people are friendly. You, You don't know what a blessing that is. Your patience of hope. What's the hope? The next election. I sure hope you got a bigger hope than that one. What's the hope? Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all I want to say is, as it gets badder, the fishing's getting better because there's more people interested. There's more people talking. There's more people saying, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. We got someone that wrote it 2,000 years ago. He warned us about stuff. Did you know that babies have to have passports now? What's that all about? The world's getting wickeder and wickeder. Pretty soon they're going to say, let's just implant all the babies with a chip so that they can't be kidnapped. This said it 2,000 years ago, that would happen. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. It's falling into place. That's what's going on. God warned us. We got a truth book. You want to read it? Your patience of hope. He's going to come back. And because he's going to come back, we, we, can, be, we can sing and praise God. Christian, do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in heaven? Then stop acting like you don't. What do you mean? Well, stop acting like this is all there is. Oh, everything's falling apart. Do you not believe you're going to get a better one? Do you not believe you're going somewhere better? Do you not believe there's a mansion waiting? Do you not believe in heaven? Stop acting like you don't. No matter how bad it is, you stand up and say, I praise God, I know where I'm going. I ain't going to the wrath. He said, I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. And then it says there in verse 70, I already mentioned it, so that you were examples to all in every place. You're just an example. 
you're you're one of those I saw it, I saw it on a quote last night uh, be I want to be the Christian that has such influence that other people just want to be a better Christian by being around that Christian your example to all in every place in chapter 5 it says Verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify. That means build up one another, even as also you do. I know you already do this, but keep doing it. Keep building one another up, encouraging one another, strengthening each other, and praying for one another. Our evangelist last month was preaching and saying, we need to pray for strength in the inner man. Pray for each other to be strengthened and encouraged and built up spiritually keep doing what you've been doing and doing more of it and then at the end of the book chapter 5 verse 18 it says verse 16 rejoice evermore don't stop rejoicing pray without ceasing and then verse 18 says in everything give thanks I was asking Bennett the other night what does everything mean everything yeah, but pastor, what about this bad thing? In everything, give thanks. Yeah, but that was a bad thing. In everything, give thanks. Because everything, even the bad things, teach us something and humble us and focus us. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You might have a terrible, terrible circumstance right now. But if you're rejoicing and you have something to give thanks for, if on Wednesday night the person with the least amount of material and health and physical whatever stands up and says, I just praise God for his mercies and blessings and I just enjoy the blessings of God. I'm going to tell you right now, people who have less problems than you are going to go, how do they do it? Because they've learned that God can be trusted and that God wants them to be thankful in everything. It's the will of God. And you know what happens? Somebody says, you know, I want your God. I want a God that's so fulfilling that I no longer need all this stuff. I want a God that's so fulfilling that I'm no longer worried about what I don't have. I'm thankful for your patient steadfastness. That's what he said about that church. I wonder what could be said about this church. I am thankful. I praise the Lord for people that have been saved, people who serve, and people who are patient and steadfast. I'm thankful for them. What kind of a church member are you? Are you even saved? Do you know salvation? Are you born again? Secondly, are you serving? Do you have patience, steadfastness? Are you one of the ones that's being a blessing to your community, being a blessing to your neighbor. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed. Would there be someone say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, 